presented here today for you to enjoy is a special 15-minute preview of this week's Top Rope Nation Extra Patreon-exclusive bonus podcast. A really good discussion I'm sure you would enjoy if you enjoy our typical flagship podcast. And like I said, the only way to hear this full show is by joining the Patreon page. The link is here in the broadcast description. Ryan Pillman, uh, 25-year anniversary of his death uh, earlier this month. The floor is yours on how to address uh, how you address this, how you see fit. Yeah, I mean, it's an, when you kind of just threw this as a, as a thing to talk about, it's interesting to me just because, I mean, first of all, I, I, you know, I wrote a book about his legacy, so I'm not going to take too long about what that is because there's an awful lot to say. Um, you know, he's always been one of wrestling's biggest what-ifs, particularly because of the time period that he was in, becoming legendary in its own right. Um, but to me, it's like 25 years after his death, and his biggest legacy is the loose cannon. Mm-hmm. And at least in wrestling circles, and the entire premise of the loose cannon being about manipulating people, including a portion of the audience, you know, uh, using their assumption of knowledge to create an illusion, feels like that's been a massive part of how things have played out in 2022 in pro wrestling, both yes. between the wrestling media being manipulated repeatedly, fucking QR codes I heard your rant about on a previous <laughs> Top Rope Nation show. MJF's work shoot earlier this year was completely out of the book of Brian Pillman. Yes. The whole you know, doing things on your own, you know, all of this with the idea of getting more money and more talk. It's just bizarre to see how the more things change, the more they stay the same. So there you go. Pillman endures. And of course, we'd be remiss not to say that Melanie died this year. Um, yes. As well. So 25 years after uh, Brian's death, Melanie dies too. But. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's my my big takeaway when I look at you know Brian's life. Obviously, there's there's so much to say about his, uh, you know, his his, his pre loose cannon life, but I feel like that's what when I when I look at the the landscape, this will happen every so often, where like every it feels like every six months something will happen that will lead to people talking about Brian Pillman because they just have that mindset of whether it's uh, working slash lying through their teeth about things to try and get to a, you know, a certain end or just manipulation of people. And it always comes back to the way Brian did it, because that to me is like the, you know, the first instance of um, manipulating, obviously not just the fans. That was not the end game, um, but just manipulating everyone around you for, you know, for, for the, for the goal, the means justify the ends. And that's kind of that to me, to me, that's a great film and legacy. The means justifies the ends. And we've seen it a lot this year, an awful lot. We have, and you see it too among fans online because I think the the legacy leads so many people to say, "Oh, that was a work." No one wants to be fooled, yeah, anymore. Like no one wants to be worked, and so like everyone, we, you know, the people are like, whenever someone's like, "Oh, this might be, this had embers of being real," like everyone immediately puts up this like wall. Yeah. Oh, I bet you that was a work. Like no one wants to get worked, and you can trace it a, a straight line with that mentality right back to Brian Pillman. Yeah. Like, okay. So as an example, when punk did that thing on hangman, I was like, okay, they're saying that there's, and this being the, you know, uh, going to business for himself on live TV, challenging him when when he didn't come out. 
when that happened the day after there was talk about there being problems, I was the first like, okay, I'm going to wait and see before I believe this. Just because the circumstances of it are so surreal that it almost, it's like, okay, why would this happen? And as it turns out, it did. (laughs) (laughs) This will segue nicely into another topic we're going to talk about in a second. But this, that that, that whole um, scenario, that whole premise of, I, I remember when we did, I did Starcast in Vegas around the time of Double or Nothing, the first AEW show, and somebody asked, "Would Brian Pillman be able to do the same thing today?" And my answer was no, but maybe because I, I, the, the whole thing that I referenced was CM Punk's pipe bomb about how people were playing along. It was a work shoot, but they knew what was real. They knew that he really didn't go out there and say what he said, but it was so cool that he did, and it was such a taboo that people were willing to suspend their disbelief. It's not really the same thing, but the flip side is there's such an assumption of knowledge now amongst the internet wrestling community. I hate that term, but the the, inter, the, the internet in general, yeah. the, Twitter, the Twitter sphere, if you will. Um, <laughs> there is such an assumption of knowledge of what's true that it's actually never been easier to fuck with people. And that's one of the things that this year has been so striking to me is that polarity of, again, a situation like people... Uh, say people me questioning that punk hangman initial deal you know reserving judgment till later date to something else where something is leaked something is reported as being factual that ends up being possibly a load of complete bollocks whether it's mjf booking an airplane or how steve austin's going to show up at msg when really the only austin was theory in the main event (laughs) um you know uh, but but stuff like that that gets, not scientific theory yeah yeah the the all these little embers of news and information and nuggets that kind of form the collective consciousness of what what it is i was reading somewhere on the fow board the other day um actually well, it was yesterday where they were talking about um wwe why why is wwe better now Te- you know, sell me on it and somebody was talking about how they were watching it with their friends and their friends were convinced that the elite were going to be in wwe within a year because of this 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 thing that got about matt jackson you know talking to people at wwe or whatever and letting them know that they'd be interested whatever the conversation was but that whole thing of like there's there's such an assumption of knowledge that's never been easy to manipulate and man this year there's been an awful lot of manipulation going on absolutely um melanie pillman the the following night on raw going back to 97 where does that rank among the lowest moments of monday night raw and vince mcmahon in general well, Vince McMahon in general, I mean, he's got a lot to answer for. So I'm not sure yeah. if it's, it's the lowest of his. It's it's that it's bottom five. It may be bottom three. Um, it's it, it's such a weird deal because they, just the idea of like the widow in shock being thrust there to be asked the question of how she's going to support the family now with the yeah. camera zooming in on the tears of the of the of the widow. Uh, now knowing what was going on and and hearing you know. Um, you know, all was not well in paradise with Brian and Melanie anyway at that time. So there was, there was also, there, there were people who were suspicious of Melanie's, um, you know, sincerity in that. But at the same time, it's like, fuck, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to want to say that anyone's happy that somebody died, least of all their husband. So, um, yeah, it was, but it's a weird deal. I mean, it's, it's weird on both fronts. But again, with Brian dying and Vince and company not knowing probably what the situation was with men they were at least not in not in such uh, deep terms that they wouldn't do this 
What a fucking soul. I remember Bruce Pitch- Pritchard on his oh, show no. once said, for those of you out there who criticised us for doing this, fuck you. And I'm like, fuck you, man. <laughs> like, yeah. you're, you're the assholes who went to the house and like stuck the camera in her face and like, yo, coming up next, the widow, you know, yeah. TV constantly. <laughs> the wrestler died. What's next for the family? <laughs> Top of the hour. Yeah, top of the hour. Make sure you, you, you don't watch Nitro for that quarter hour. You wanna, you're not going to want to miss this. Okay. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to wrap it up and just say that you know the the, the callousness of the situation. Um, it's something that they wouldn't really repeat, thankfully. Although there were times when, because of how fucking weird that world is and how nothing is real. Yeah, yeah, Vince, that that great, um, you see that clip of Warrior when he's, I think it was on the A and E biography of Warrior when Vince is talking to him to do that apology that we talked about on, on SCG mm. to the uh, to the kid who he yelled yeah. at whenever it was. Yeah, yeah. Happened to be the son of a station manager, and Vince is talking to him, and Warrior's like, "What the fuck am I apologizing for? I don't even do it." And Vince is just like, "We're working, we're working, we're working here. Like everything, and he's like, it's a work." Vince's mentality: nothing is real, nothing matters. What? So and, long as the end result is what he wants it to be. And and think about this. It, you know, it wasn't certainly as heinous as what they did with Melanie Pillman the night after uh, Bad Blood. But when Vince had to step down, you know, when he was forced out because of all the allegations, very serious allegations. Mm-hmm. Really hope Hunter and Stephanie find out who leaked those to the press. By the way, I, 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 I heard I they're really, still on it. Still yeah, they're still on it. Yeah, it's it's probably you know the same person OJ's chasing down on all those golf courses too. The real <laughs> uh, but when he, what did Stephanie do on the next TV? She let a you know thank you Vince chant. Yeah, thank you Vince for um, you know sexually assaulting these women. Yeah, thank you for just using your position of power to, like, just, you know, have sex with a bunch of women that are half your age that aren't my mother, you know? And they chanted it. They chanted it, too. Yes, they did. Oh, the best is when they chanted it too early for Stephanie. Oh, yeah, she's like, not yet. <laughs> you know, I haven't yeah. been confused. That was hideous. But um, something else that was on that same Raw with Melanie Pillman, and, and I don't want to piss anyone off, any of our loyal patrons, so please, I hope they don't take offense by this. But a few weeks ago, it was actually like the anniversary of that day. I posted this on our Facebook page. You had an insane Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels segment following the 10 Bell salute. I know you know what I'm talking about. Is this is this the one where Hunter's in his little green polo shirt? It's the one where they show the click incident. Yes. Okay, Shawn, yeah. Shawn then turns to Vince and asks, Quote, is your father rolling over in his grave because what me and my buddies did to the McMahon family tradition? And Vince is like, let's go cut this crap. Let's go to commercial. And <laughs> I'm doing a great job selling it. And then they bring out, right as soon as Hunter starts cutting a promo, they cue the heart music, which is great. Because <laughs> Hunter doesn't get to talk. And then Hunter and Sean in the highlight of the segment start yelling, they're burying me out here in the heart music. <laughs> and then Brett comes out and regrettably lets us know what the H in H, yes, H, H, H stands for. But I posted it because at the time we were still in the shadow of All Out, and there's been so much talk about Tony Khan losing control of his locker room. And I ironically actually posted this, and no one caught on to this, which uh, I was disappointed with a little bit. If that segment would have aired now, between Brett and Shaw, people would be, and they were at the time saying, oh, Vince has lost his locker room. The top two guys are just doing whatever the fuck they want. 
You had yeah. Brett openly bragging about how much money he was making, and then Sean firing back with, oh, yeah? Well, I don't have to work house shows, and I get to made up at the pay-per-views. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, that's... So, you know, I think people who think, oh, like, locker room chaos would never happen under Vince McMahon. Maybe. Oh, okay, yeah, I mean, Kyle, man. There was there has been so much of that. I'm sure you've heard as much as I have, but that is just the stupidest fucking thing. Somebody... On one of the forums I go on made the point about the you know the the fear that Vince commands and how you know that fear goes a long way and it's like that's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life that like the because Vince has a commanding presence that Tony Khan doesn't have that in some way that means that he's a better boss and it's like look at the fucking shit that's happened in his fucking <laughs> yeah the the you know, sexually <laughs> molesting underage boys and. You know, Nancy Argentino and people pulling each other's hair out and shitting each other's crowns. Like, it's just, you know, it's massive. and handbags. Oh yeah, and handbags, of course. It's was like, it Amy Weber? Was it who? Was that Amy Weber? Or was that someone else? I think it was Amy Weber. Yeah, Amy oh. Weber's the story that I heard. But I, and and you know, the the amount again, the people have died on their watch, and the people who have just the you know the, the absolute sheer crookedness of so much of it. People who've you know had see yeah all this. It's just insanity to think that, like, oh, well, never in WWF, never in WWE. I cannot believe that that opinion's out there. Yeah, it's now AEW is not free from scorn because let's go back around ringside here uh, as we collect uh, some commentaries from the wrestling media on pertinent subjects. Dave Meltzer went off on AEW's handling of the suspensions of the elite and CM Mm -hmm. Punk. By the way, people should check out. the, the latest Top Rope Nation uh, flagship show. Jesse Velasquez joined Ryan uh, to talk uh, the latest on CM Punk. But we're going to talk here about Meltzer and his criticism of Tony Khan's handling the suspensions. This is what Dave said on Wrestling Observer Radio. He, Khan, did not go there when asked. This is going back to the infamous Ariel Hawani interview. It was just like, quote, I can't talk about this. It wasn't like he said they're under suspension or we're not going to talk about it because there's an investigation. He said nothing. At this point, it had been over a month when he's done this interview, and there's not an explanation to anyone as to what's going on. Anything that anyone has heard about this has come from me or you, meaning Brian Alvarez, or Sean Ross Sapp or another reporter, pretty much those people. Nothing from the company, and it's so bad, Dave continued. I mean, if you really think about it, not even to say anything, I cannot think of any other form of entertainment or sport or pro wrestling company other than the sleaziest companies there are that wouldn't say something. I'm not calling AEW a sleazy company, but what I am saying is in the past, you'd have sleazy companies run away from stories. And mm. quote, okay. Yeah, that's pre- pretty harsh from Dave. Pulling remember, no punches. Pulling yeah, no remember, punches. Everyone says Dave takes it easy on AEW. Not there. Yeah. All right, Liam, I'm going to be very honest with you. Nothing AEW has done on screen since All Out can get me. 